0: and grow the industry around the world. So for today's show, I'm joined by Tommy Ristomaki, who is uh, the CEO of a really interesting company called ChemPower. Uh, thanks for joining me today, Tommy. And um, if we could get started just by finding out a little bit more about you and, and your background... How did you uh, get to be doing what you're doing now?
1: Yeah, hello, Ryan. Nice to be here today. And uh, my background, I will not start from the day one, but let's start <laughs> from the carrier-wise uh, from the beginning. So I actually joined a company doing uh, industrial motor control with Power Electronics back in late 90s and actually started working with industrial energy saving and this clean tech industry with Power Electronics and actually, it, it felt pretty good to actually be working something that would uh, do the world when you're saving electrical energy. And then actually in 2010-11 timeframe, got a phone call from a friend or a friend and who was uh, uh, founding a startup for e-mobility. Looking at electric powertrains for heavy vehicles and hybrid systems, motors, inverters, control systems. That was really interesting move. And spend actually about seven to eight years doing that and trying to convince people that electrification is the thing that will happen every every next year. That you are talking <laughs> with the people, and, and, and the, let's say the market in mobility was a completely different than it is today. And back in 2009, then I got a call, another call, uh, again on, on about uh, charging industry. And looking at the pure electrification, and, and that was also the time that I understood that the electric vehicle thing, what I have been talking about more than 10 years, is actually going to happen now in a, in a large scale. And it's kind of a key to actually opening the market is also involves a lot on, on having charging infrastructure manufactured that fits to the market. And that was the, the kick-in. And then the rest of the story is what we see today.
0: And uh, just so... Um... People, uh, the frame of reference, So you, you're you from Finland, right?
1: Yeah, 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 correct, correct, correct. Uh, and uh, this is, uh, Finland is ca- kind of the home of industrial power electronics when it comes to the beginning of the industry, and, and a lot of background companies working on that.
0: Well, it, it's always surprising that a, rel- a relatively small company, very relatively small country, sorry, could... Um, you know, there's such a high density of really great engineers and engineering businesses and, and, and particularly around electronics and motors, um, some very famous companies have, have, uh, come out of, of Finland. Um, is there, is it, you know, is it something they put in your uh, breakfast cereal or?
1: I, I think it's a country of engineers. So this is, I think we excel in technology, but we talk in marketing, so We probably might have the best system in the world but uh, we forget to mention that so that's uh that's a kind of maybe the sin of the Finns uh to actually have something great and not to be able to we are now learning it more to be let's say more world conquering mode uh in 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 marketing as well but it's typically that the Finn might have the perfect solution and then you just wait for the customers to actually pick it up without even mentioning it to anybody so Maybe that, that's kind of the, the, the past, but uh, I think it, it's something that uh, in a small country people had to focus on something, and in Finland it has been tech and especially industrial tech and power electronics in the past.
0: Yeah, it's uh, well, and, and a wonderful uh, a wonderful country as well. Um, the only the only drawback appears to be the the neighbors, but
1: uh... yeah, that, that's another another discussion. Yes, correct. That also changed the country a bit to having uh let's say different kind of neighbors on the east for the for the whole history of the country Yeah.
0: so now um the the business that you're leading now kem power um you know it, could you give us a background uh, story to kem power and, and and where that company came from yes as so a
1: kem power in the uh, in the current format, let's say the 100% uh, fast charging company uh, is actually a spin-off on an on old family business, which was concentrating in power engineering, power electronics since the 1940s. So this is, uh, all, let's say, parent company's main uh, interest has been on the welding industry. But it's about inverters, and they were the first company to make a DC power supply inverter in the 70s. and And this is kind of... Uh, the heritage of manufacturing industry and and the power electronics background of the company gave a good boost, actually, the concentrate. Uh, Genpower as a charging company was founded in 2018. Or on paper 2017, but the actual, let's say, R&D started in 2018. But in in the category of companies working now in e-mobility, we are kind of belonging to the group that is a spin-off from a steady... Uh, uh, companies and having like a new direction with the technology that was developed with years and years and background and manufacturing background, so that helps a lot when scaling up the company when you have kind of the heritage of the group.
0: And is it, um, is it is it a Finnish group or is it outside of Finland?
1: Yeah, it's a Finnish group, group called Kempi Group, uh, and it's a family Kempi, and it's a person Martti Kempi who started manufacturing milk carts somewhere in the 40s and he needed equipment to get, actually get them together and he decided i will make my own welding machines because the other machines are not good enough so that was basically and then the product ended up being power engineering and and, and welding and there was other things done like uh, uh, let's say making power supplies for the particle accelerator in cern with the brand Kempa already in the 90s but uh, let's say in the current format, in Kempower is is a purely charging company, and in that format and more like a standalone part of the Kempi Group. It was founded in in two thousand eight.
0: So your you, your product line now in Kempower is is the um, infrastructure charging hardware. Is that is that how you would describe
1: it? We call it the fast charging. So basically. When it's fast charging and and it's high power charging, this is something that people cannot have at home. So it's definitely this public side, heavier vehicles, and we have been growing now faster than the industry and and probably the world's fastest growing uh, DC fast charging manufacturer. Of course, when we look at where we are active today, we started from the Nordics, and today we already gained the kind of like a market leader position in the Nordics, and now expanding in Europe. And looking at the other markets as well, so I think uh, the idea of what we had and how to change the charging industry uh, from the product point of view and the solution point of view was good because we can see now the customers really appreciating our solution.
0: So, so these are the 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 large um, public chargers that you might get in a in a charging park um, service area kind of thing. Um, and, and you mentioned commercial vehicles, so I, I guess that means supplying directly to, to truck operating companies and bus operating companies and that sort of...
1: Yes, yes. And also bus OEMs, truck OEMs, and, and basically when uh, when we come into this early market, it's also the case that first truck sites are sold, that the trucks and the chargers are sold by the same companies. It's also things would happen in the early market. But we, yes, very important target for us is the operators of the commercial vehicles, because they have their private charging sites. And how we see also this when you separate the home charging, what you do for personal cars, this AC charging, which is like you kind know, of like a special sockets in a box, to the DC fast charging, which is high power. For co- large commercial vehicles, even the so-called home charging, is DC charging, and that's why it's for us DC charger manufacturers is, is really important. To work with
0: the commercial vehicles okay um and that's so there's because there's some interesting things that um I think we'll probably get on to talking about with the commercial vehicle side with um, standards and, and and what's happening there but um if we just talk on the you know it's it's such a, a big topic s- still um the the charging infrastructure we sort of see it almost on a on a weekly basis uh, some kind of story about lack of capacity or a new network or i think the the other day uh daimler made a big announcement about putting a big investment into infrastructure um for for charging obviously tesla has their own network already and and there are lots of these private networks so you know what one brand or another um around so so those kind of um those network operators for the public infrastructure would that be your kind of typical customer for the the
1: yeah that's quite typical and and you said actually a key word before you called called charging parks i could call it charging plazas or you got sort of charging hubs or whatever name you use but this is also how we see the market where you can charge many vehicles because you understand that there will not be a single vehicle single charger situation when the market really starts happening so I think our approach is to actually think about fleets that you have many electric vehicles coming to similar sites when a lot of the other charger manufacturers are thinking like a one charger, one car situation when they are thinking about their product portfolio. So we see the market actually that high percentage of the vehicles is electric and how do you answer that question? That's not anymore a single charge, single car because the worst thing that can happen to EV driver when you go to these charging sites, that there is a single charger, or there's two chargers, and they are occupied when you arrive, and you don't know how, how long they will be there. So, these kind of charging plazas should actually offer more plugs, more connectivity to the cars when you when you are there. That's basically differentiated also from Kemper, how we how we do our solution.
0: Really feels like the market's gone from a situation where there were lots of charging infrastructure and no cars to use it and now a lot of cars and not enough infrastructure again so it's kind of like a wave and and maybe does it seem like that um from your side
1: yeah it exactly sees and it's also the maybe the biggest reason for the growth we have been seeing in tempo that we are growing faster than the rest of the charging market that we kind of saw the situation from the beginning in a point that you have a lot of vehicles charging in the same locations and, and people are more comfortable on going somewhere that you know that you can actually get the car charged and not to wait. And in the early times you had a single car and then somebody installed a single charger. That was a party, now you can I can charge my car. But once there is 10 cars in the same site uh, wanting to have a lunch at the same gas station, and then the situation changes and then the solution must actually ask this question and how do you connect all the cars and so that you could do something else during the time when cars let's say taking the power
0: what is it about your um your solution that that uh, that facilitates that because it i mean it just sort of stepping back slightly in, into the numbers i mean even if that charger park was 10 150 kilowatt chargers, which i, I know you know, obviously now it's 350 kilowatts with the, the sort of ultra-charging standard, but it, let's say 1050-kilowatt chargers, that's a one-and-a-half-megawatt um, uh, connection or, or power consumption required if all 10 are being used at the same time. If it's 10 350s, it's, it's three-and-a-half, and, and that the context, I mean, that's massive.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's massive. And that's exactly the, the problem with this kind of a standalone chargers where you don't have the... Uh, possibility is to move the power dynamically between the charging outputs, and what we do differently is that we actually separate the the charging hardware and then the charging points, and we can move the power between the points flexibly. Uh, what we call the dynamics. So, n- nice terms in in UK used electron chuckling chargers that you are actually moving the actual charging capacity from one vehicle to other because there is. Many cars who are charging, um, when we look at personal cars, uh, they ask for a lot of power in a certain point of the charging curve, but not throughout the whole time. And also the people who charge very fast, they might leave the car there for, let's say, half an hour too long. And when you have the situation that uh, the capacity is fixed and somebody is occupying the spot, there is no way to charge more. The only way you can do, we have a massive uh, grid connection, massive amount of, like you said, 10 350 kilowatt chargers or 10 150 kilowatt chargers. We might get a better output of having, let's say, that we install 800 kilowatt of centralized power and then 10 charging outputs, and then move the power between those flexibly as the cars need it. So you can live with a smaller grid connection, but you can actually get more output uh, because it it works, like the cars work, and it works like the people work, and not having overcapacity.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see. Uh, interesting. So, and 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 upstream. So I know some companies are looking at. Actually, I've I've seen this in a couple of different ways recently. But between the kind of charging infrastructure and the grid connection, some people are introducing um, things like battery uh, packs to kind of buffer that, so you can run an even smaller grid. Are you, uh, do you have that kind of um,
1: system? Yeah, we have been working in that kind of project. It's normally that somebody else has delivered the batteries that our partner... We have those, especially in Norway, you have uh, certain sites where we are working. Or it might be even a movable solution that you can move it to the other site, that you have a fast charging infra with battery and charges You drop into the field and just connect more power. Last... Uh, last yeah... Last summer we had a system in France which is, was only powered by solar and batteries, with barely no uh, grid connection at all.
0: Ah, wow. Okay. So I, I, was, I was just about to ask: Is that a, the renewables, can, like local, localized renewables? You know, is that is that a thing?
1: That is. But of course, when you when you know something about solar panels, to having significant power compared to the power the EVs need, the solar field must be huge. And that normally includes also the battery because you might be producing the power when the cars are not there. So this is, of course, we have certain truck sites, uh, for example, in Southern Sweden, where there's massive solar field and and battery, and then uh, uh, more than 50 uh, high power chargers for trucks in the same location. And, but of course you cannot produce all the power with the solar because that's local production. But many of these CPOs companies, they, the bigger companies might have even their own wind power generation. Like we have good examples in Finland, companies who have invested in wind power using that wind power actually sell. And uh, end users using EVs, they are normally quite env- environmentally friendly, so they want to prefer the sites which have also the clean power.
0: Yeah. And I guess in uh, particularly in our current uh, climate of um, unpredictable energy costs, let's say uh, that that's uh, it gives you... St- some certainty and, and uh, stability in terms of your supply costs.
1: Yeah, true. And I'm and, and looking at a lot of these things affecting the energy prices today is affecting also the uh, the lack of oil coming from, from our eastern neighbor to the market. That, that that's And people are thinking that they should solve it by limiting amount of electric vehicles used when the problem is oil. So you start using more oil to limit somehow the problem happening because of lack of oil. That doesn't sound very clever to me, but it's... Uh...
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, the, the smart option is more electric vehicles, more renewable power and...
1: Yeah, you have a more efficient uh, energy system in total, because uh, when you look at the moving, you know this as well as I do, because we come a little bit from the same industry, that actually an electric vehicle is more efficient in, in total in use of energy
0: so yeah yeah a lot a lot more efficient and it's especially if you could uh, direct wire some uh, electricity into the, the charging system as well um on, on the just on the batteries b- before we kind of leave that do, do you see that as being um effectively a, a solution that is going to be more widely applied uh, to kind of answer the grid connection problem, or do you think it's sort of still maybe just a niche option, and you will mainly have the installation of a large grid connection um, in in a charging park, or do you, do you see the trend be going to smaller grid connections and and, um, and and maybe a battery pack?
1: Very good question, uh, and I think I think the answer is I li- used to live in Germany and they always say yine which means yes and no in the same word so <laughs> this is a. I think it's very area wise uh in in normally when we have when look looking like our home country finland we have very stable grids and and almost oversized uh grids for everywhere because everybody's having an electric sauna at home and that's already oversized because, <laughs> uh, and then basically main main uh, in scandinavia when you look at the most of the houses are electrically heated so you already have quite oversized grid for the normal uh, and people are also changing the heating systems at home to heat pumps and things so the grid has capacity but when we go to uh, let's say uk central europe you might have uh, let's say not so oversized grid compared to the consumption and then you have the challenge and it's, I think in the short term, there will be seen more sites with batteries, but in the end, when we are increasing the electrification, I think the countries must look at the investments in the grids as well, because it's not, a, let's say, completely future-proof solution, if you want to run the country with a grid built in the 60s without uh, investing when, when the power consumption is going the other way around. Because we see the electrification moving in other industries as well. If you look at how things are done, because the total energy efficiency in the end is the key, actually, for the climate change improvement. And you have to look at, the, let's say, the energy in total, not just electrical energy or whatever energy, because we have to save energy. And it's a way to produce energy and move it very efficiently is electricity, so this is, in my eyes, is, is a key for this transformation. But in certain places, you will need more investment to the grid, but I, I think in the short term, we will see sites with batteries. And it's an interesting question that will the electric vehicle batteries have a second life as grid batteries? Because once they get old, uh, there is still a lot of lifetime left in the batteries because Uh, when people don't accept them to be used in the electrical vehicle anymore, there's still 80% capacity left or 70% capacity left that they could be used as, let's say, offers for the grid. This is something we don't see yet.
0: Yeah, uh, well, a a good friend of of mine, uh, Matthew Lumsden, who I did a podcast with ages ago, but uh, probably do another one, but he he runs a business which is doing exactly that, so Second Life Batteries, uh, connected energy so that they uh, are doing some really good work in that space
1: and i think that they are doing really extremely good work because people are thinking that electric vehicle batteries get old in five years which is not true i think it's more than 10 years normal lifetime and then you could still use them another 10 years in the grid or 15 years so we don't see the masses of electric batteries yet there because there hasn't been electric vehicles for 10 years but in within time frame there will be a lot of batteries
0: it's true, actually. That's been, a, I think, a challenge uh, that some people have had is that the batteries are not coming for the second life because <laughs> they're
1: lasting yeah, more- yeah, because Yeah, because they last a lot longer than people pre- presume in the, in the first place. So, yeah.
0: One what, what other application that I, I don't know if, if you've – but I, I keep thinking, well, okay, so the charging parks are these very sort of large um, power consumers, like unusually typically in the locations that they're in um, – and if we're putting a battery system in for the the grid connection, but one of the things about I th- I'm pretty sure with vehicle charging there'll be patterns. So you know it'll be unusual to have people charging at two a.m. for example, um, just because the cars aren't on the road. So you 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 know when people are travelling, it'll be when the when the charging systems are used. And I, I'd wondered if there's a a sort of a, a possibility that those battery systems could start to play um, like a a financial role in kind of arbitrage of energy almost. So if the, the charge station operator can, um, take energy off the grid in an off peak time, um, when, when the energy is really cheap because there's no demand and maybe we're actually having to pay to, um, you know, turn off Generation capacity, so it's sort of costing us money as the energy consumer to not generate energy. So actually, if we put it into something, yeah, there's a whole that's a whole other topic, complex uh, sort of how the grid works. But anyway, from a charger operator point of view, if you could take some power and then, you know, when it's really cheap and put it in a battery and then sell it when it's it's um not so.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. And uh, basically, the fast charging energy sold from a fast charger is the best priced electricity you can sell. So. That makes the, all, all the sense in the world, I, I think, on that point of view. But anyway, even if you have battery, you have still some connection. You have energy limitation or you have grid limitation. And I, I still see a strong point on being able to deliver charging solutions that use the available capacity in the most efficient way and distribute the energy in the most efficient way to, to vehicles. that you can maximize the outputs and maximize... Also, the income for charge point operators because you can have more transactions, more cars connected. So, it is exactly the point that you have to get the car connected to get the energy. And then the time is a question of money and, and investment. And, and this is.
0: So, we'll, we'll leave the batteries. So I know that it's, it's just sort of interesting. As... It, it is.
1: And, it, the, the, and the, the increased spot prices in certain times of today have, have definitely increased the discussions around batteries now we don't see is the electricity price so volatile anymore in the let's say next 10 years but today especially in every country suffering something energy shortages then this spot price is variating so much that this is a prime time for the battery guys to be talking to the customers because you can see the benefits immediately
0: well uh, the, yeah definitely the 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 really unusual thing at the moment is we've got this big problem with very high energy costs. So electricity is very expensive um because of the cost of gas, but also one of the other problems that we have because we we you know the way the grid is designed, we've got more renewable power coming on and it's costing us more and more money to um reduce the power output from the wind power system when it's not being consumed. So <laughs> doing something to sort of fill that gap and and use that, um, you know, the wind doesn't blow during peak electricity time all the time. And, and there's there's all these surpluses in the system, which just mopping those up, there's a huge opportunity from an environmental perspective and a cost perspective and a system efficiency. Uh,
1: yeah, I think if we go a little bit off the topic, it's renewable energy actually brings the challenge that you have to have certain kind of energy storages whatever they are, if they are batteries, or like uh, people in Germany are pumping the water back to reservoirs to make hydrogen, uh, hydropower doing a better time. So, or you will have a local production of hydrogen and hydrogen power plants, whatever ever the form of energy, but energy storage is probably are increasing uh, because of use of renewables, because you are not so much, uh, let's say you cannot direct uh, production times directly to the needs. So some kind of energy sources are needed. If they are hydropower plants or if they are hydrogen uh, generation areas or, or they are they are batteries. Uh, but definitely you need some kind of buffers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Be um, and it's a great opportunity with the charging parks to to put those in. Um, so so on on your your systems, your technology, um, I think f- from what I've seen, you know, your the the approach the kind of hardware approach that Kempao uses is a little bit different to how I think a lot of people visualize a charging park because we see this big unit with a cable and we plug into it and I think most people think that is where it starts and ends and um, and that's it but but your um, from a hardware perspective your systems are are really quite sophisticated so could could you sort of explain that a little bit and the, the kind of um, the, uh, system level what is what does it look like what's the hardware going into a charging park
1: so we have the centralized power unit and that's basically the charger in a traditional sense so you have the all the electronics of a charger is is separated to another module and this is also to answer the the grid limitations that you size that unit based on the grid limitation then you choose how many charging points you need to have that you are dividing the power to and and then distributing the power for the whole parking lot from this one location, and not basically needing to have uh, every time the same power electronics for every parking lot uh, done again and again and again. It's costly. And the other one, it it was like exactly like you said, if you want to have 1050 kilowatt charger, you need one and a half megawatt connection. When you have, let's say, 600 kilowatt charger with, uh, six outputs, everybody capable of making 150 kilowatt. Normally when we look at also from our cloud system, you rarely actually meet the limit of the charger because the cars are charging with different powers and you have different kinds of cars. And people are also thinking that there's only this high end, very expensive cars, which charge the highest power coming up. I, I think the middle class and the small cars will be entering the market, even with lower powers because it's uh, it's about the cost, and uh, it's about affording a, a car. And I think uh, first-comers are is a luxury cars, and then we see also the middle class, and charging and power and the battery size will cost money. So it's, it's natural to believe that there will be variations in, in cars, and a wider, wider variation in the future.
0: Yeah, sure. We, we still have our little, uh, little Renault <laughs> with a small battery, and uh, it's great, it does the job. And also thinking, my daughter is
1: turning 18, so what kind of a car I will buy? I'm not probably buy a Tesla or take or something take uh, like. She battery. deserves a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I know that, and you need to have the 400 kilowatt charging power when you're driving inside the city or school. So it, it, it's not really. Uh, it probably will be Renault Zoe or Fiat Fiat uh, 500e, which is a reasonable car for inside city traveling. So. Uh, it's a completely different needs in different classes so
0: yeah so 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 this um the central power unit is where you take the, the ac from the grid and you're converting that into dc so that's that's your and then you're distributing actually the the dc is what you've got a dc kind of mini grid on the charging park and then the things that people see the like the sort of uh the, the fuel pumps if, if you like that's kind of just a box with a cable then that's with a con, some software and controls and interfacing
1: difference also to other solutions you might have that you have a dc grid and then you have the converter to make a control dc on the charger we actually make the control dc outputs already in a centralized power unit so, so that's doing everything and then you don't need to have the big units anymore in the parking lots and and reusing this uh, control devices, making the, the charging control from a centralized location. So, in commercial vehicle, this relates normally to overall lower investment cost because you can more uh, levelly distribute the power between the sites. And in the public charging points for private cars, it actually means that you can redirect more capacity to the cars and get the cars moving faster because these are the two drivers in, in two industries which are a little bit different.
0: Yeah, and it's a, a, a good... Because I, I, one of the other things that I see quite a lot is uh, chargers that are damaged, um, that people have driven into, or people have vandalized or whatever. And in your system, actually, the thing that's the public are touching is quite a simple, I mean, you know, relatively simple unit. And And if someone drives into it and um, smashes it. Actually the, the expensive stuff is protected somewhere away.
1: <laughs> and even, even even that would be destroyed like completely you have still one eighth of the system only down or one sixth of the depending on the system size but basically single failure only leads partial failure and not, uh, not as a complete uh, stop. One of
0: the things that I, I sort of I don't know, baffled me, or I can see as being like a, a really difficult challenge, and it's maybe so my you know my backgrounds in kind of hardware development and I, the the AC the DC and the kind of control I get all that and that that's it's all really difficult, interesting, making that efficient and high performance, you know, all the power electronics, it's like really cool, but but and a big but in in the in the charging systems that are going into public applications um, in in Europe, you've got all these. Rec- Sort of requirements now for like different ways to pay, and um, the the you know how hard has it been to implement that kind of the front end, the, the that that the interface between the charging system and the general public, the user.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a one one thing what we thought about in the beginning that how to make it easy as possible. And, and to make our system accommodate all the possible payment methods but then it's up to the people who actually sell the electricity also to be able to do that so this is a lack of suitable let's say credit card terminals was a beginning uh, people say that a lot of devices have credit card terminals but in real life if you look at start looking at the market they are not very suitable for the use now now it's starting to pick up and it's easier and it's uh especially these people protecting things like the rule that you have to have the pin code in every five fifth purchase and lack of having terminals with the proper pin code or having ip classes that can actually withstand the weather outside has been a bit challenging but i think the many ways of payments and things is is something that early markets always have references have been different do you have the rfid tax or do you have mobile phone apps or you have a People call the Tesla system, which is actually a closed system that you cannot use with other cars because they give more information to their own charges than they give others. And people are thinking about uh, is the ID of the car personal uh, information that you can actually store or not. So these kind of privacy things are, are interesting because I think we could have done, we are doing auto charge functions with commercial vehicles, which is a business and not the private people, that you can all already recognize the cars. But then uh, the plug and charge is a lot more difficult because that's protecting the identity of people. And uh, it takes a while when you start doing with this kind of uh, privacy protection things and you need to... So it, it's been interesting, uh, <laughs> I would say, and challenging as well, because there's so many things uh, to think of when we look at the, uh, is the car ID actually a something like a personal identification data and I think the plug and charge is answering to that but then there is not a single plug and charge some car brands have their own way of doing that and then some cars are using the ISO standard and
0: is that already a requirement or is that coming as a a, a sort of blanket requirement that the public infrastructure in Europe has to be plug and charge compatible
1: no, I think they are going the other way. I, I think when we're looking at the European day, I think talking about credit cards.
0: Ah, okay. So turn up and pay. Yeah.
1: Because if you have a plug and charge, you still need to register as a customer to the service provider because somebody needs to know it's your car. And, 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 and I, I think when we're looking at the governments, looking at it, they want to have a, like a payment system that the, the people don't need to register to. If it's cash payments, like we have seen happening in some countries, we have been delivering that some people want to pay the electricity in cash. That is actually happening still. Then you have, uh, and they want to pay the electricity at the desk of the gas station like they are used to. And and you have the people who prefer credit cards, people who would like to have only Apple payments or Google payments or any kind of other kind of, uh, let's say, mobile payment options. So it's a wide variation today, but uh, I think what the governments are looking for is that uh, just like in the selling fuel that people should not be required to register to a company to be able to buy, that there should be a method for anonymous buying. But then everybody is implementing that in a different way. So that's where the the confusion comes now because somebody might have SMS payments or somebody has credit card payments. and I, I think well, when the market matures, it will come normally. Uh, the ones who have a good way of working will be the winners, and those charging stations who have something bad will be empty. But today, when we have a, let's say, we would need more charging stations. Everything must be used, and this kind of a market development doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, so so one last um, question uh, on the sort of general public um, passenger vehicle stuff Th- that recent announcement i mentioned earlier from daimler about them putting their own network in um and and i know what so some of the oems have kind of said things like that which basically haven't meant that they will be investing in hardware because it, it's like a virtual network and they're going to kind of sit over the back of one or two of the the larger um private charge point operating uh, systems but the da- daimler intent appears to be they're gonna actually put their own hardware in in strategic locations where they think that um there's a there's a need for that and and i've seen two very sort of polar opposite uh, responses to that you know people go yeah great this is the right thing to do and people go well what's the point you know that that surely they should just put the investment into um uh, you know, pu- public accessible stuff rather than their own thing. What, what, what's your view on that in terms of um, deploying that network? Do you think it's the right thing for Daimler to do now? Or are they too late?
1: It's a good good thing that people are investing in charging infrastructure. That's a generally a good good statement for us in these in, in charging business. But uh, I think not all the car brands need their own networks. Especially, they they must be that the requirement should be that they should then support all the car types. And it, it's it's whoever is building the charging network. I think it's also the response of what Tesla did early on. That there's still the car manufacturers, the that the traditional OEMs are thinking should they do it in the same way. And we have, like you said, we have seen this announcement many times in the world, and I think. Uh, car manufacturers are starting to understand that the lack of charging info might be like uh, let's say limiting their sales in the future so they are also coming into the game but i don't need know if every car brand needs, needs their own dedicated systems so
0: I reckon it's they must have done a survey of like uh, buyers of uh, their products that have then gone over to um, Tesla. <laughs> to, what were your main reasons for purchasing a non uh, non Daimler product? And because um, you hear, I do hear so many times people that you know that one of the main reasons, um, especially people buying the more kind of premium car, maybe using it more for business purposes and things like that, is charging. You know. The, the, te- the sort of appeal of Tesla will live with a lot of other issues with those vehicles but the the security of that charging network is is one of the bigger big draws to that brand um, I can imagine someone at Daimler has gone, well we're never going to be able to beat them unless we can uh, we can counter that argument
1: and it, it's now happening that uh, whoever Let's say invest in charging infrastructure. We'll have the same limitation to grid connection points and how fast you can build, and and it it is the same market. So I I don't see the exactly the point that every car manufacturer must build their own. But I think what Tesla is clever is is that they are thinking their market in the same way as power So of course I think they are clever. Uh, but uh, having kind of they they have a similar idea of having the centralized power and then have a certain outputs and uh, have more cars charging in the same locations, which I think is a key for larger fleets. And this this creates the convenience. And then, then you have, of course, your closed network possibility of, gonna, let's say, recognizing the cars. Because when you buy a Tesla, you have a Tesla account, and then you're already recognized, and you have the payment there. But the others could do it in the same way, uh, but then you have several service providers and things. And I, I think, in the future, there will be even more service providers. So, I think the key will be basically having a convenient way of working.
0: Yeah, it, it, convenience. I think and people value convenience so much. You know, we we pay premiums all the time for stuff that's convenient. Um, you just look at uh, buying stuff off Amazon. It's uh, you know it's convenient if nothing else. So,
1: we, we could say convenience or laziness, but uh, is any anything with with. Uh, uh, Requires less effort. Will will somehow sell in, in in the future and have the security and peace of mind. These are what the people are willing to uh, invest in.
0: Well, that's a big one too. Like the, um, I mean, yeah, not having your credit card scammed uh, is is a big. You know, it's a security, peace of mind, knowing the stuff's going to work because that's also that's a lot of a problem with the very sort of variable, even some of the bigger network. I mean, actually, in the UK, probably the biggest network operators are the worst in terms of reliability for the, you know, turning up and stuff not working. So, the OEM being able to own that experience, I think it it sort of keeps the customer in in their kind of um, in their zone and uh, and and it's a revenue thing as well. You know, in, in the in the if you own the charge network and the distribution of the charge, it's quite easy for you to give an incentive like you know. 10,000 miles of free charging. I, I I own that. So I give it away and it's a cost price. But if I'm having to pay someone else to give you that 10,000 miles of free charge, that's going to cost me a lot more money to do as an incentive. But then once that's over, I can make an albeit fairly tight revenue stream, but a profitable revenue stream from selling you power in the future. You know, And actually, that's a the, the, the long-term revenue um, potential for, for this car that's going to be out in the field for 15, 20 years is massive.
1: And we are seeing now already electric vehicle reaching to amounts that uh, the charging business starts making sense already in the short term. It's not anymore like a 10-year investment that you can start earning money after 10 years. It's in the best locations. If you look at, for example, Norway, where you have a really high number of EVs compared to Capita charging stations are paying themselves back in less than two years or one year depending on the site so it is starting to get quite interesting for infrastructure inv- investors and things that this is a fast fast way if you look at uh, how the infrastructure pays itself back
0: yeah well i would i would think even a i mean a conventional fossil fuel petrol station gas station the investment cost of that wouldn't pay back in such a short time. And think by the time you've buried all the tanks in the ground and built, uh, you know, and all the permitting and stuff. So that's a it's a really good um, that's a really good point that that uh, that investment case is uh, is is starting to to get there. That's good. That's and obviously the money will follow the money in 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 terms of then adding capacity. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Of course, there is the only only thing that uh, the charging stations with this kind of a. Uh normal market where it will pop up in the place where you have a lot of EVs. And of course, then the governments need to make sure that you have some subsidies for the areas where are scarcely populated, that you can actually have the the whole ecosystem working. So this is also the key that I I think when people are looking at that, they give like funding for charging stations, they should make a focus on this kind of network coverage. Because I, I think in the highly populated areas, charging stations will pop up based on just
0: the ability to sell electricity to E V drivers. Yeah, yeah. that's an there's an interesting dynamic there with um highly populated areas which tend to lack off street parking and and sort of personal because obviously the, the best way to charge your E V if you can with the driveway and things is to use your own power at home and do it slowly overnight. Uh but
1: um it's not always possible in the large cities. I, I'm thinking about London Canada support everybody of having a home charging so it will have a more then focus on the public charging and public charging locations and these charging parks or charging plazas wherever they are so
0: the interesting um so th- like destination charging in you know uh, so obviously you've got sort of tra- people traveling for work and you can kind of map those corridors out and things, but then you've got these anomalies like, uh, tourist attractions. So the, the area that I live in is fairly rural. Um, but we have the, uh, the old, uh, the Hadrian's wall, um, the Roman things, and it is popular with, with tourists and stuff, but there's not much charging infrastructure because it's fairly rural and there aren't many people live here, but there are people who want to visit, um, you know, who might be driving an EV. So there's sort of, uh, the, the planning that you know you it's it's complicated um and and if you can't answer that um those all of those different use cases it does stop people from being able to uh to enjoy their their vehicle which is uh, and, and and the travel that they need to do and and want to do so
1: yeah i'm a heavy believer in the destination charging uh that that you should have a possibility basically wherever you visit that you can connect your car and get the power and then you don't need to uh new ev drivers are thinking that they have to go somewhere to tank the car so i, I believe more in this destination charging, if you have the ability when you're going shopping or you're going to see a tourist attraction that you can actually use that time and charge the car and we are not there yet i, I definitely say that but i think also this government funding are thinking about the highway sites which is really important but i think the in the end, the destination charging will be very, very important.
0: Yeah, well, well one of the things I think that will drive it, um, like you said earlier about the the investment case. You know, if you if you're a site that attracts a lot of people, at the moment, your car parking facilities are just a cost to your business. So maintaining the car park and providing those parking spaces, for people, is a cost to the business. It doesn't earn you any money at all. It's it's just a necessary evil. But if you can provide destination charging, all of a sudden, you know that becomes a, a revenue uh, generating opportunity where you can, um, you know, make some money from that asset that that you have. And, and if the
1: attraction is on a way to somewhere else. And you place a coffee area or restaurant on top of that. So you have a perfect place for, for, for the business to actually start earning money with the with the car park, which, uh, like you said, it, it's an extra cost today for these kind of work.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very different to the concept of setting up the, like you said, the, the, the kind of concept of, like we do with the petrol station, it has to be, the petrol station has to be separate because of the, the storage of fuel and the safety and, you know, and you've, you've you don't, you couldn't have a petrol pump on every parking spot in the, uh, in, the in the, supermarket car park. Uh, although, I'm sure someone's probably thought of doing that in the past, but it just wouldn't, it wouldn't work. Um, but you can, you could have, um, electric charging points on every place in the car park or the cinema or the, you know, whatever it is, shopping mall
1: and planning actually the charging for the time of the visit. So this is also, is it easy? Is it easy charging? whatever makes sense for the average visit time of the people who are spending there. And then basically having always the fast and slow side by side that you can choose. And or, or you can choose from the system what power you want to take and pay for that. Because I, I think the people are still thinking that you should pay only for the energy. Actually what you're paying, you're paying for the time spent. So you could have a, like like flexible paying methods you take only 10 kilowatts or you take 150 kilowatts with a completely different price. But the device could be the same. That's at least what we could do today. So.
0: Well, no, I mean, actually, so, so plugging your technology or your product, but your, that, your approach to that, how you design your systems, actually that allows much more, you know, you, you, you could have fast charging points distributed because they're not, the reason why you wouldn't do that with a, a conventional system is because the fast charging units are A, very big and ugly but it'd be uh, really expensive um because they've got all the electronics but if it was just a vend point and the, the that maybe you could have it so the ele- the electronics the central unit served a lot more vend points because you knew they weren't going to be used um all that often you, you know um yeah it, it, it would be possible to do that that's, that's
1: yeah and it's of course i don't know how the end users understand it but we could today already offer that uh you could actually have like a I'm buying only with low power because I know I will be five hours that we could offer the means actually charging less for that, that the capacity is available for the others. But this is kind of, people get confused today because we are still in the world of this kind of one charger per car situation and and this kind of flexible system. But there is a lot of possibilities that can offer the convenience and, and can offer also the cost savings. If you're not using the capacity, you would pay less. And, and you are not occupying the whole system like with the standalone chargers. So this is this is something what, where I see a lot of development. We did did a lot of work for that. Uh, I think with our backend system in in the behind that it could actually offer all these pricing options and availability options and even even booking systems. But these are because it's not you are not alone there because we are not a charge point operator we are not the ones selling there so we have we offer the means today but let's see how the how the market takes.
0: yeah yeah it's really interesting uh, so I'm I'm really conscious of the time so we're we, we are um, we're running out of it um, but uh, I, I did want to ask you about commercial vehicles because that that's uh, it's an, another sort of an area that I'm really interested in and, and and a huge you know in terms of electrification um your past like mine we were doing heavy vehicles and off highway machines and all that kind of thing so um with uh commercial vehicles there's a few sort of interesting challenges you know running uh, i would say to people running one electric truck out of a depot as kind of a trial is fine like it's quite easy you can do that almost anywhere but if you want to turn 10 trucks or 100 trucks electric actually that starts to get really super challenging from a uh, charging point of view a grid a grid point of view and and, and and all of that because of the size of batteries so uh, uh, an electric truck is, is is equivalent to at least two if not three or four or five uh, cars so the the batteries are much bigger and we tend to want to use them you know um on a higher uh, sort of utilization so we don't want to leave them charging for a long time so what what in in the commercial vehicle side, We've got these like new standards coming for megawatt scale chargers. Um, what, what do you see happening there? You know, what, what's the sort of, uh, are you deploying parks in, in uh, sort of, uh, I don't know, truck depots and bus depots and things? Do you see megawatt charging coming in? Is there an, infras- you know, grid inf- infrastructure in the, like public infrastructure, let's say for, for trucks coming? Like what's happening on the commercial vehicle side?
1: I think there are several fields as well and and, and you, we, we have markets like in private cars you talk about home charging. For trucks this means these overnight depots wherever the the vehicles are spending the time, if it's a bus or truck. And you have a some, some place where they are where they are, let's say, resting and that should be used and that's called I think the somehow destination charging in, in a in a in a way and I think in, uh, we should use every opportunity for the trucks also to be charged whenever they are unloading or loading, they should be actually plugged in. So these are the logistics centers to actually use all the possible time. And I think when, then we come into the megawatt charging, which is this on route for, for long distance. Interesting development. I, I think the chargers are ready, but the connection points are still under development. And, and what will be the standard? Will we call over 1,000 volts? Or where are, we, where are we standing there? So I, I think the main goal, what, how, we, how I see the market, that when, especially with long distance, that the trucks should be charging these 45 minute breaks, which are legally required for truck drivers to take. And to be as close to that, but I think we will see the development of services around that because when the truck driver approaches the site, he's booking the system already beforehand we have that kind of project already in Sweden, where the truck truck can book the place already before he arrives. And these are kind of the this is a business way of thinking, because time is money in logistics. And and, and when you have business involved, then people are willing to also spend a little bit more money than, than somebody spending five minutes less in their holiday trip or business trip with a personal car. So these are a different approach. It's a tool of business. and. Power will increase because the battery sizes will increase, how much? And it remains to be, seen. it will be 3 megawatts so or will it be 1 megawatt or 800 kilowatts. But not all charging for trucks will be megawatt charging. There's a lot of this overnight, you have the logistic center opportunity charging spots. So. For us uh, in DC fast charging manufacturing, we see this as a huge opportunity. Because many of these heavy vehicles, even the flow charging might be 50 kilowatt to 150 kilowatt DC charging, which is completely different than in personal cars. Home charging is AC charging. It's out of the scope of Kempower. But for us, the truck, we have then the 100% of the interest on this market.
0: So. Well, yeah, because you, you actually you see, um, so a lot of the, the truck OEMs that are coming to market now with battery electric uh, distribution trucks, the onboard charger is like, Normally about 22 kilowatts, um, where a typical passenger car would be seven kilowatts or less. So, But it, the 22 kilowatt charger is a really expensive bit of hardware that they're fitting to the truck. And they're doing that, you know, if you're if you're doing that to every truck, it's not all that efficient. Um,
1: Your, or, or you might want to do actually three of them in every truck to have three plugs uh, <laughs> or, or something to actually get some reasonable power. Even the 22 kilowatt for heavy truck or even lighter truck is, is quite, quite, quite low power.
0: Well, this is, it's low power, but it's a really, it's still, because it's on board, so it's got to be really compact and light and, you know, but it's going to be several kilos still and, and you know, maybe a couple of thousand euros. It's an expensive um, bit of hardware. I I think as, as the commercial vehicle market matures, what we'll see is they will, Get rid of those. Um, maybe go to a low power onboard, or, or even no onboard charger, um, or something just for emergency purposes. And and um, you know if they've got a more mature system where they they know they've definitely got um, fifty kilowatts at every loading dock they're going to see, and you know. Uh, at the rest stops and such, like um, you don't need that, and and it's it's quite a big saving that you could make on a, a truck by truck basis by getting rid of that bit of hardware or, or significantly reducing it.
1: But if we step into that into that way, actually, the onboard charging in personal car has even higher percentage of the total cost of uh, of a vehicle. So there's also long term discussions. People, are thinking, should you have a, like a portable DC charger, also for that for small power to get rid of these onboard charges chargers because they are creating a cost in every vehicle. But uh, as a trend, I, I see maybe the this personal car charging, you don't see any more many 22 kilowatts. Maybe Renault Zoe being the last one standing at. It's going to 11 or it's going less. Is it a single phase or two phase? But yeah.
0: Yeah, the, well, the Zoe, it's kind of a different case, isn't it? With the Chameleon, I think, still. So it's it's not a, it's the it uses bit other bits of hardware on the vehicle. It's it's not it's kind of elegant in one way, but not elegant in another way um, in terms of how how they're getting the power. But the yeah, the, you can't do vehicle to grid either with um, you know n- with with that sort of system. So another
1: with the and and a cheap AC charger because actually, if you would like to do vehicle to grid with the AC charger, that would let's say multiply the price of the AC charger then on board because it just should be two-way vehicle. and then that actually changes the, the vehicle the grid coming to the market actually enhances everything to DC. It might even change the home charging to DC if you want to have a, your car working as a battery at home.
0: Yeah so the pilot trials that have happened um, I spoke to um, uh, someone who worked for the, uh, one of the companies that was running a big pilot trial in the UK for vehicle to grid and, you know, using the Nissan leaf cause that's the only car that supports it today with Chadmo, but the, the box in it, it was a DC wall charger, you know, small one, albeit, but that was the, 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 the sort of the thing they had to develop to implement that vehicle to grid trial to work with the leaf was a, a suitable um, DC home charger. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because it's Chadmo who works with that and then, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so you're right. You know, that's another really good opportunity coming.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting opportunity. But then, of course, that uh, the price point is a little bit different than in public systems. But I see it uh, expanding to, because it, if you look at Vehicle to Grid, that's exactly the places where the cars stay for a long time. What are those places? It's workplaces, homes, airports. Uh, the ones where you use today, AC chargers. So this is kind of. Interesting how how that turns out and and how widely V2G comes to the market with the cars because it takes time to develop this in the car as well.
0: Yeah, there's a whole topic in itself there, isn't there? Which um, I mean, I'm I'm really quite passionate about that. With um, you know go, going to we're actually about to have a battery system installed in the house, but it's tiny, you know, compared to the batteries we've got sitting on the driveway in the. In the car so I left the battery
1: system from home out because the, my solar inverter delivery time was so long so I had to choose a model which doesn't have a battery input but uh, that's uh <laughs> yeah yeah but that that's an interesting point and it's uh, my wife called it that it's actually an expensive hobby not really energy saving but it's uh <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs>
0: that's probably the that's probably well yeah yeah it's it's a it's an interesting one so okay so commercial vehicles. There's a lot going on megawatts, and there's um, just to wrap up. Um, I know you know you've been talking recently about um, what's happening with chempower Power and your plans and stuff. So, just want to you know tell us a bit about what you know what you what you're excited about, what's coming, what's happening in the future for you.
1: I, I think what what we have been really how we are seen in the market like we are making a difference with the easy charging that uh, the demand is increasing, and that's why we are also looking at. Different markets and different expenses. Now, of course, we are looking heavily on the on the U.S. is more or less a new market for for electric vehicles still uh, today, and I, I think it's moving really fast. It's growing faster than anything uh, in the world in, in in the form of electric vehicles in numbers today. But of course, it's uh it's a uh, it's very much in the beginning, and we are uh, let's say looking at the end of the end of this year to actually have a manufacturing facility in the U.S. in some form. So. It's really a big, big effort for us and the main project for this year. But we also yesterday told that we are looking at expanding, banding in Europe for the manufacturing capacity because we see the demand increasing. And one of the big things, what has changed in the demand, is also this commercial vehicle, what we already discussed. But the trucks coming to the market is, especially for us, these fast charger manufacturers. This this changes the game a bit, so it increases the market size quite a lot.
0: We'll, on on that we'll bring it to a close. Um, so thank you for taking the the time out to to join me today. Uh, I really I wish you yeah. all the best with uh, with Kem Power. It's uh, it's fascinating kind of following you and seeing what you're doing. To to people listening as usual, I'll, I'll put um, show notes in um, and with links to the company and to Tommy and uh, some of the other things that we've uh, we've spoken about. So. Uh, scroll down and uh, and have a look at the show notes. Uh, had a couple of people asking me how do they find them. Uh, in some of the podcast apps, you need to click to sort of open um, the the description of the show notes, and uh, and you'll find it down there. But um, yeah, that's 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 all for today. And, and thanks, Tommy. Thanks again for uh, for joining me.
1: Thank you, Ryan, for interesting discussion. I think uh, we we could have talked longer uh, for the old time sake as well. But yeah, thanks
0: well in the not too distant future uh, somewhere i'm sure we will uh, we will we'll, we'll see each other and uh, i think a, a beer is uh, is is called for <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um, exactly good good